coffee hour. It's Monday morning. I'm Sarah Golseth. And uh, if, if you were listening last week, you would know that um, Andy Bates is on vacation this week, which means I'm in charge and I'm pushing the buttons in the studio. And I also have a lineup of guest hosts this week. So so you listeners get the joy of, of listening to uh, some new voices helping me host uh, on the coffee hour. And today we have a familiar voice. We have Pastor Peter Ill from Trinity Lutheran Church in Willstadt, Illinois, joining me in the studio. Welcome, Pastor Ill. That's right. It's wonderful to get to hang out here at KFUO. I get to do my second program of a day as guest host. It <laughs> seems like it's vacation week, but that's okay. Uh, it's always fun to get to be here and be on. Yes, and, and we, we get like an upbeat program now, so you get to like have some fun. <laughs> You know, I always thought that Andy was really, was always really like up and high energy too. So I, I will try really hard not to have too much fun. I don't, I don't think we can have too much fun on this program. Maybe. Okay, I fair don't enough. Know. The, fair the enough. bar is very high for okay. too much fun. Okay, got it. All right. So, so when I asked you to, to guest host with me, um, you, you came back with a very interesting topic that I think a lot of people really, um, maybe think they know about or or maybe just have no clue what it actually means. So tell me, uh, before we introduce our guest, uh, tell me uh, the topic that, that you chose to talk about today. So I thought it would be really great uh, getting to serve in a local congregation to talk about essentially why you should call your pastor. And sometimes you call your pastor uh, before you have surgery, or you call your pastor when you're feeling guilty, or when uh, you would like to have your sins forgiven, or when you know that you're going to be going to the hospital, or you're in the hospital, and you'll call your pastor then. But then sometimes you'll call your pastor because there's something that you have a question uh, about how the Christian life applies to you, and you're not sure if that's a pastor question or not. You might call your pastor, you might not. And so one of, kind of the, the question that I was thinking of was, was when do you call your pastor? And when you call your pastor, how do you ask him for help? Mm-hmm. Sure. So with us in studio, we have uh, Dr. Reverend Dr. Rick Mars, Associate Professor of Practical Theology at Concordia Seminary here in St. Louis. And he doesn't get the talking paw. That only goes between oh, you and me. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> We're asking him the questions. <laughs> we, we, we have a little talking paw in studio that I get to share with my guest host. So we know who's asking questions. People have heard about the hacky sack that Andy and I have. So Nobody told me all the rules yet. It's okay. I, I'll get there. <laughs> So, welcome, Dr. Mars. It's very good to be with you. You guys do have fun here. So. We have a lot of fun on the coffee hour. That's that's partially, I mean, well, yeah, we just like having fun. Happens. <laughs> so, so before we before we came on air, um, we were talking about the differences between pastoral counseling, pastoral care, Christian care, um, and and I wasn't really aware that there was this difference between all of these things. So, um, can can you and and Pastor Il, uh, can you share what what the difference is what this um, spiritual care kind of covers yes yes i mean the church has been providing soul care for 2000 years or longer it actually goes back to the old testament as well but uh, and so for the for large percentages of that time, pastors were the ones that provided that soul care that spiritual care in german they call it zelsorge um yeah. But now then we have a variety of different vocations in our culture that can provide that. So pastors still provide 
pastoral care. Uh, there are professional counselors who are Christians who provide soul care for people but aren't ordained, aren't trained as pastors, uh, but are trained as professional counselors in ways that can be very, very helpful to people in ways that maybe pastors couldn't be. And so some pastors uh, very willing to refer out. Uh, we'll probably talk about that later on. Uh, and then there's a middle sort of area. We talked about pastoral counseling. Pastoral care tends to be where the pastor goes maybe even uninvited uh, to provide care, like, like you said, Peter, uh, Pastor Ill, uh, hospital visits or going to visit shut-ins or going to visit people in their home. Uh, those are all pastoral care, individual, small groups, small family situations. Pastoral counseling tends to be when somebody comes to the pastor and says, Pastor, I have this problem. Can I come to your office, come to your study and talk to you about it? And that usually you know, runs an hour or something and might look a little bit more like the Christian counseling, but might not, depending upon what the particular issue is that the, that the uh, parishioner has at that time. So. so what might be a really good topic to talk to your pastor about, to, to call him up and say, hey, I would like to talk with you. What might be some really good examples of, of some things that, that your pastor is the right guy to talk to? Well, and that really is a wide gamut. Uh, uh, Relationship I mean, advice? <laughs> Romantic advice? I was told to ask that. <laughs> Husband, don't worry. <laughs> uh, if you think that your pastor would have some expertise in romantic advice, then go and talk to him. But I would say the vast majority of pastors would probably look at their parishioners and go, I don't think I learned anything about this at the <laughs> seminary, and I don't know that I have a lot of personal experience that could be helpful to you. But other things that they might be helpful in, I mean, if, if somebody's feeling quite depressed and has questions about, does God still love me? I'm, or I'm really anxious about things. Am I trusting in God? How can I trust in God uh, better? Um, anything like that, even, I mean, the the worst of the mental illnesses even, people with schizophrenia, people who are hallucinating and seeing mm -hmm. things, hearing things, should go and talk to their pastor if this is something new that hasn't happened to them before so that he can at least refer them on to somebody. He won't be able to provide the, the counseling and the medication that they might need for their anxiety or their hallucinations or whatever, uh, but he should hopefully know a Christian counselor, Christian psychiatrist, uh, we can even get into the, do you have to see a Christian who's a psychiatrist uh, kind of discussion if we want to. But, uh, uh, but yeah, he should hopefully be able to refer them to somebody and then follow up with them to make sure that their spiritual issues are continuing to be addressed and cared for because, again, a lot of secular, well, almost all secular counselors wouldn't know how to respectfully address those spiritual issues. And many, even Christian counselors, wouldn't know how to do it especially from a Lutheran perspective, because the vast majority of Christian counselors are not Lutheran, which is actually why I'm on sabbatical right now. I'm trying to finish writing a book called Making Christian Counseling More Christ-Centered, where non-Lutheran Christian counselors could actually go, oh, I didn't know anything about the proper distinction of law and gospel or the two kinds of righteousness or all our kind of Lutheran ethos that can be so helpful in pastoral care issues 
and a lot of our Christian counselor friends just don't know anything about that. So I'm trying to finish that book in the next three, four, five months to to provide that to that world. Sure, and we'll have to have you back to talk about it. I then. would love to do that. So, <laughs> so if 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 say I have an, a thing I need to talk about with somebody, uh, do I seek my pastor's wisdom first, or do I seek a counselor first, or or does it? M- depend on what I'm dealing with? It probably depends upon what the situation is. If it's, uh, you know, I've struggled with anxiety issues throughout my life, uh, maybe go see a counselor first who is a Christian, Mm -hmm. but then tell your pastor that you're going to seek it. Maybe even go to the pastor first to see if he knows two or three Christian counselors that he would refer you to. Maybe people that he's actually meeting with on a once a month or once every other month sort of basis so that at least if the if the parishioner gives permission explicit written permission to the counselor that he or she can talk to the pastor mm-hmm. about those issues then you've got two people working together uh, to help you in those situations um so yeah it, it kind of depends if it's a relationship thing with marriage i would probably encourage people to go see their pastor first because again um, some counselors would go and hear uh, difficult marriage situations and actually tell them so well it sounds like your marriage is broken beyond repair Uh, and you know a pastor doesn't want to have that happen so it's good that the pastor has actually talked to counselors and 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 knows that they would apply a biblical sort of of uh, frame to help these people work through their relationship issues and would try to get them to reconcile if if at all possible so absolutely so one of the things that uh, because i i got to meet you when i was a student of yours in class um and one of the things that you did a really good job with was uh, teaching pastors that were not counselors mm-hmm. and and to know when to refer and so when a couple or a a person comes in and I've actually been through this process uh, as, a, as a Christian myself, where I went to my pastor. I tend to go to, uh, I have an appointment with my pastor once a month, mm-hmm. if I need it or not. Good. But Good. I always need it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that allows for a spiritual checkup and yeah. for a chance for my pastor to forgive my sins, which is a, a wonderful blessing. And uh, as, part of, as, as part of my spiritual checkup, he said, you know, sounds like you should talk to like, a counselor, and he was able to help me uh, with his referral list right. to send me to a counselor uh, who really uh, is helpful with the things that I deal with, and who specializes in in helping clergy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. that was a really helpful thing for me. Uh, but sometimes it feels like if if a pastor says maybe maybe this is above my pay grade, mm-hmm. and you should go see a counselor. Uh, sometimes it feels like that that's telling somebody that they're broken and that uh, that pastor throws his hands up in the air and he calls in the reinforcements because he has no idea what to do yeah. and this Christian is broken beyond all uh, all recognition. Is that is that what that kind of a statement well, means? You know, I, I hope people realize that at, at the seminary, we don't train people, don't train our pastors to be full-time counselors. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you took one 10-week class with me. Uh, we now have a 14-week class, so they get a little bit more <laughs> oh, in, the, in a semester long. But uh, one 10-week class where we spent one or two weeks talking talking about the whole variety of mental disorders and what people might come in just so you kind of knew, oh, this 
could happen. Somebody could walk in with schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. Again, somebody with a master's degree has several more classes, many more classes on those sorts of things, not just a week or two. Mm -hmm. And somebody with a PhD has even more experience in those sorts of things. So yeah, my background, I was a psychologist before I became a pastor. So I taught at Concordia Chicago uh, before I came to the seminary and then was a parish pastor for six years and then was called back to teach pastoral counseling um, at Concordia Seminary. So yeah, there's a limit to what pastors know about those sorts of details and just some things that, again, you and I can't uh, prescribe medications. And there are some things that just like, I always emphasize with my students, there are some Christians out there who still think that they should not use any psychopharmacological medications, that that's somehow weakening and, and shows a weakness of faith. Uh, I think that's, well, we live in a culture where medications are overprescribed. I completely believe that. But still, those medications can be very, very helpful to people. And to tell them not to take a medication because if they just pull themselves up by their faithful bootstraps, they'll somehow get past this is not properly distinguishing law and gospel. And putting pressure on them that shouldn't be there because if they had diabetes, a pastor wouldn't tell them, well, if you just had more faith, you wouldn't have to take your insulin. Uh, there are first article things going on in our bodies, some of them in our bodies, some of them in our brains, which is part of our body, and these medications mysteriously, we don't really know how they work, but we do know that they do help 60, 70, 80% of people uh, that have strong anxiety disorders, schizophrenia, depression, and so forth. I'm not saying everybody that goes to see their counselor will be referred to a psychiatrist and will be on medication. That's not, not true. Probably only 10 or 20% of people that go see their pastor will eventually get uh, uh, to the medication sort of realm. But uh, anyway, yeah. I'll stop. Well, <laughs> and it's time for our, for our break. So perfect timing. Uh, We'll be we'll be back with uh, with more from from Dr. Mars, which I'm excited about. And uh, you're listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth, and I'm Peter L. Concordia University, Wisconsin, and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs, and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. <laughs> Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. And I'm Peter Ill, sitting in for Andy Bates. This yeah, this, week. this is fun. Today. Just today. Just today. 
You're, I mean, you can come back, but I, I have other people come take the rest of the week. That might be way too much fun. So. <laughs> that would be whew, that that might go over the bar of okay. too much fun okay. in the studio. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about uh, pastoral care, pastoral counseling, what somebody can expect uh, from from a session. How to even ask? Uh, with us in studio, we still have Dr. Rick Mars from Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, and it's this really great to have you in studio with us. Thank you very much. This is this is a lot of. Really good information. So we're talking about um, what somebody can expect uh, when they would need to talk to their pastor. Um, so if I have something that I want to talk to my pastor about, I think, um, how do I even ask? And and what if I'm like afraid he's going to think I'm like being a weirdo or something or, right. or nervous about asking him? How, how do I even approach that conversation with my pastor? I think you just simply ask, Pastor, I've got some spiritual questions. Could I come talk to you sometime? And just go and lay out whatever those questions are, whether they are sp- directly spiritual or sort of uh, sideways spiritual because <laughs> they're more family oriented or, you know, what do I do with my kids? What do I do with my husband? You know, all those so- sorts of things. Um, go and talk because pastors are supposed to be there. They're not just preachers. They're not just Bible study teachers. In fact, I, one of the things that I tell students, I don't know if you'll remember this one, I actually have a phobia. I call it cacopoimene melephobia. <laughs> That's the fear. I hope there's Greek involved. <laughs> yes, there's Greek involved in that. If you go and look all those Greek words okay. up, um, it's the fear of bad pastoral care. But I, I have this fear that I'm going to be retired and, you know, well, I'm going to be 85, 90 years old in some sort of Lutheran retirement community, and the lay people that I'm sitting around are going to go, you know, our new generation of pastors are really good preachers and teachers, and and uh, they seem to be good at administrating and all these other leadership things, but they just don't seem to listen as well to the people now as they did a generation ago. Who taught them how to listen at the seminary? You know, oh, Dr. Hartung did that. Dr. Rachenbach did that. Yeah, I'm going to blame my colleagues over the last 10 years. Um, yeah, I have a real fear that some pastors don't think that it's important to listen to their people. But again, the vast majority of pastors, I think, especially Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod pastors, do believe that it's important to make hospital calls. It's important to make shut-in visits. It's important to meet people in their homes and to interact with them in a one-on-one or two-on-one sort of situations to get to know what they're... In fact, Luther would even say that as well. The, the Reformation was not about a political debate or a religious debate, per se. It was because Luther was frustrated that pastoral care was not being given to the people because they were buying these indulgences, thinking that that, how some, that somehow uh, forgave their sins, and Luther was wanting them to come to confession and to confess their sins and to hear absolution from individual pastors, which we haven't even talked very much about. That's another extremely important part of Mm -hmm. pastoral care that many Lutherans think is Catholic, and so they don't actually go to seek, like you said, you go to your own pastor once a month. Uh, I think all people should go to their pastor, if not once a month, at least three or four times a year and seek out that sort of one-on-one checkup that you just talked about in the earlier segment, Peter. Um, Yeah, it's extremely important, and pastors want to do that, but they don't know if their people want them to do that until the people actually 
ask. Mm -hmm. so. And sometimes I think there's a fear that people have that pastor's really busy. He's doing all that administrating and the right. Bible study mm -hmm. planning and he's getting his sermon ready and he's he's going to meetings and he's really, Dealing really with his busy. Kids. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I don't want to burden pastor with, mm -hmm. especially if I can't say what's going wrong. And anytime you talk about something serious, it's kind of scary. Mm -hmm. um, how how can a pastor or how can a, a Christian be encouraged to talk to their pastor when something just feels maybe not quite right or when there is a question? Yeah. Well, again, go and talk to him at least once. Your pastor might not might not end up talking to you once a week for 10 or 12 or 50 weeks like a professional counselor would. Mm -hmm. But your pastor should want, if you've got a serious spiritual concern, a serious family concern, a serious emotional concern, your pastor should want to talk to you, you know, once a month, once every two months, something about that, and should, even after he refers you perhaps to a professional Christian counselor, um, he will still want to check in and make sure that that counseling is going as well because he, in a sense, he's delegating his soul care of you out to somebody else. But mm -hmm. he still has a responsibility to know that that soul care is going rather well. Sure. I know. I know. I try to check in about once every uh, when I know that a Christian is experiencing counseling mm -hmm. out in the world. Uh, I then will. Uh, about every three sessions they have, yeah. I'll just I'll just That's follow up with good. a real short, hey, how's it going? Uh, is is this counselor helpful? If they're helpful, let me know. I'd like to talk to them and put them on my referral list. Right. If they're not helpful, then let me know that too. Exactly. Uh, that way, I can always make sure that all the Christians in my care receive really good help. I'm so happy that Peter listened so well in my class <laughs> seven, eight, nine years ago. So, <laughs> gold stars, gold, gold stars star. and cookies. <laughs> So, so when somebody has has talked to their pastor that that they that they would like to have counseling or care, what can what, what can that person expect from a session? Uh, from the session with the pastor, yeah, mm -hmm. um, probably prayer. I mean, obviously, we I think pastors will pray with them more than professional counselors would mm -hmm. uh, to to realize that God is in the room with them, and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit want to address whatever guilt issue, shame issue, anxiety issue that this person is having. But also just to be there to be a representative of God and to address things in a biblical way because, again, sometimes the parishioner doesn't realize that, oh, this does relate to what David did or this does relate to what Paul said or what John says in this gospel. And hopefully pastors will have some very good scripture that they can go to. Not that their entire counseling is going to be just about, you know, quoting scripture to, to somebody, but hopefully, you know, bring scripture into it in several places after they've listened well and know, yeah, this seems to be what this person is really bringing to me. Again, sometimes parishioners will come in and counselees will come in and say, well, this is my presenting problem, when really they're just testing the pastor to see if he's listening well enough, and then the real problem comes out 30 or 40 minutes or maybe in the next session uh, what they really wanted to talk about. They have to build some level of trust with their pastor, with their counselor, uh, to feel like they can share what's really burdening them on their hearts. So. So how would a Christian, uh, you talked before about the importance of individual confession and absolution. Mm -hmm. uh, how does that relate with pastoral care and pastoral counseling? Well, yeah, it's a part of that. Um, I don't know if we had, 
we have them read the Kaler book now, Walter Kaler's book, uh, that I don't think we had access to when, when you were in school. Uh, but it's a very good book on the distinguishing between, uh, well, the use of, of uh, uh, individual confession absolution and distinguishing that from pastoral counseling. Uh, you can actually get copies of it through Concordia Seminary Press. And if you haven't read it as pastors, I encourage you to, to look at it. He does a good job... Um, Again, really showing how important individual confession and absolution is in the Lutheran writings and how important it was to Luther, and then how it can be used in pastoral counseling situations, um, primarily because, again, a lot of people come in and just go, I, I know I've, I'm supposed to feel forgiven, but I just don't feel forgiven when I hear it on Sunday morning in the worship service. I don't feel forgiven although a lot of people feel very forgiven when they receive the Lord's Supper. But for some people, if they have a particularly burdened conscience, actually having the pastor lay his hands on their head and say, by the stead and, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When that happens individually and personally, it has a bigger emotional impact on many people. Another time when that might be really helpful is for parents who spend a lot mm. of time uh, in the pew. Yeah. Uh, as the congregation is confessing their sins, they're, they're making sure that their children are confessing their <laughs> sins and don't have a time to, to stop and remember, oh, yeah, this is my yeah. confession and my absolution, my forgiveness, too. Uh, and so that is another time when that might be really helpful. Yeah, that's a yeah. really good point. Yeah. Yeah. What can what can somebody or what what should somebody um, tell their pastor. What, what's helpful for a pastor to know uh, in order to to help this person through whatever they're dealing with? Well, I, what their spiritual issues are, what their relationship with God feels like to them. Uh, we could get into the whole left brain, right brain sort of <laughs> stuff, where the left brain is all the kind of logic things that are going on with us, and our theology tends to kind of stay on a left brain side, mm -hmm. but the right brain is kind of the emotional the big picture sort of ideas, the artistic things, and God created both sides of the brain. So he, he created us a thinking creature, he created us an emotional creature, and again, we've had emotions even before the fall, but then we've had emotions since the fall that are emotions we struggle with. Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve first felt shame when they fell in the garden, and then they felt guilt, and we have been struggling with guilt and sadness and anxiety and depression and all those sorts of things. Despair, as Luther says in the uh, small catechism. Um, and so we're struggling with all those things. We should go and talk about them with our pastor. We should talk about them with other Christians. It shouldn't all be just the pastor's role. Uh, maybe many congregations have Stephen's ministry mm -hmm. or other people that are identified as lay helpers, lay caregivers that the pastor can say, would you go and meet with this person twice a month uh, to help them through their uh, grief because their their husband died, you know, a few months ago and they feel alone and don't have somebody to talk to. Um, it's we, we Americans tend to be too individualistic and think <laughs> that we can handle things all on our own uh, and that's the best way to do it. That's not the way the church is designed. We are a body of Christ, and the fingers need the hand, and the hand needs the elbow, and the elbow needs the shoulder, and all of us need each other in this, and so we should be able and willing to share our concerns, just like the, the 
disciples shared their concerns with Jesus, and he comforted them, and he admonished them in times when they needed to be, had the law brought to them and so forth. So. Absolutely. And uh, and we're, we're all out of time. Uh-huh. I know. We could talk about this for so long. Uh, but but uh, Dr. Morris, it's been really great having you in the studio. Thank you very much. Nice um, to meet you, Sarah. Yes, absolutely. And, and uh, Pastor Ill. Hey, Thanks it's always fun to get to be here. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Peter Hill, sitting and, in for Andy Bates. And uh, we'll have more Coffee Hour coming up the rest of this week with some more guest hosts. Stay tuned. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO, the listener-supported broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit kfuo.org or text KFUO to 41444. KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Concordia University, Wisconsin and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu